Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad to see you here today. It's good to be with God's people as we worship the Lord on this week, on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning. We're glad that you're here today. We welcome our guests, especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll be blessed as we worship together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheet on each uh, row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out. So we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Uh, we would appreciate that. And especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, please uh, be sure to put your email address on there and, and we'll put you on that list. It's a great way to keep up with what's going on here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, and I know that uh, the worship folder says that we'll be having a church council meeting tonight. Uh, this afternoon, but we're not having a church council meeting this afternoon. Uh, happy Memorial Day to you. And I hope you have a, a, a meaningful Memorial Day tomorrow as well. Uh, we do have some other announcements to make. We have several things that are coming up in the next week or two, and I, I think we're just going to have a parade of people who will be making these announcements other than me, people who know things more than I know things. So our, our in-town mission trip will be this week. And who's announcing that? Christine is standing up. So that must mean that she's making an announcement about that. Good morning. We're going to start our in-town mission week on Tuesday. We've got about five or six different families here in town that we're going to be assisting. Uh, on Tuesday, if you can help, we're going to be meeting anytime between 2 and 6. And we're going to start out at Kevin Gentry and Susie Davis's home, and that's on 516 Washington Street. And if you turn at McDonald's, they live on the same side, and it's right before you get to Barrett School. So come anytime between 2 and 6. You don't have to be there right at 2 to help out. And I'm going to kind of give you an idea of what we're going to be doing. Uh, at that particular location, they need their rain gutters cleaned, and they need some repair work done to the gutters. The roof in the back of the house needs patching. They've got a back door and overhang that needs repair. They have a back deck and a ramp. That's how they get Kevin in and out with his wheelchair. It's got some bad planks that we need to replace, some screws that need to be tightened down. We're going to jet wash that, and we're going to stain it. They've got weeds that need to be pulled. They've got some dead bushes that need to be taken out. And I, at this point, am, an, am on number five of a list of ten items that we just need to do at that one location. So we need a lot of volunteers. So anybody that can help, 
Anytime between Tuesday and Friday, you know, you can show up. We'd appreciate if you could. We've got a sign-up list over here on the table. If you could sign up and let us know which day or days you might be able to help us out, we'd appreciate it. If you can come, make sure you bring bug spray and make sure you have work gloves. And if there's particular things that you, you know, have, maybe you have a power washer or something like that, bring that with you because we do have another location where we're going to be doing power washing during the week. Now, each day we will work from 2 to 6. We'll come back here to the church and we'll have a meal together and a time of devotion. And then we'll kind of plan where we're going to go the next day. So say during the week you think, well, I'm not going to be able to help, and all of a sudden your Thursday comes open. Well, if it does, you just call Dr. Hobbs' cell number, or you can call Jika's cell number, and we can give you those to you after church today, and we'll tell you where we are on that particular day, okay? So if you get time, any time during the week that you can come help, we'll be more than glad to have you come help. Now, if you physically cannot help with the work, but you could help with one of the meals during the week. I still don't have anybody to prepare and serve the meal, or we can purchase the meal for Tuesday and Friday. So I still need volunteers for Tuesday and Friday to come in and help with the meal. Um, did I forget anything? Okay, all right. And if anybody has any questions, you can just see uh, Dr. Hobbs or me or the Jika pre- uh, preacher. Me, Sybil, she's helping us. So just if you have any questions, just get with us. But if you could sign up, that would help us know our numbers for the meals for the different days. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Christine. We See, we have a, a lot going on this week. It's going to be a busy week. And as she said, we will be meeting uh, coming back here to the church at 6 o'clock for, um, for an evening meal. And so this kind of changes our schedule a little bit for Wednesday as well. So our, our Wednesday schedule, uh, we will be meeting here at 6 for our meal. And instead of having a Bible study afterwards, we'll be having kind of a report from what's been going on and a devotion time uh, that goes along with our in-town mission trip that we'll be doing this week. So we won't be having a Bible study, but come anyway. It'll be, uh, it'll be good for you to hear what's going on there if you're not participating. Yes. We have choir practice Wednesday night at 720. Yes, choir practice Wednesday night at 720. Uh, here at the church, so uh, that's a little change in our our schedule. So that'll begin next Wednesday or this coming Wednesday. That's this correct. this coming Wednesday, no choir practice today, but on Wednesday we'll be uh, having choir practice at 7:20. Also, uh, there will be a um, family game night this afternoon, beginning at four o'clock. I believe is that is that right? Four. Four o'clock. There you are. I was looking all over the place for you, and I was just looking right over your head because you were going to make this announcement. Do you want to make it? <laughs> Come on up here. I was just looking. Where is Allie? Where is <laughs> so tonight from four to seven, we're having a family game night sponsored by the youth. We figure since we're always asking for fundraisers and stuff. We could do something nice to just get everybody together. Um, have fun. Everybody's welcome. Bring a friend. Bring a game. We'll have um, cornhole as, as long as the weather's holding up. We'll have volleyball and cornhole outside, and we'll have some games in here. And we're going to grill hot dogs and chips and drinks and stuff, so it should be a lot of fun. We welcome everybody to come. Thank you very much. Uh, also coming up in, uh, in a week or so, a couple of weeks, I guess, uh, Vacation Bible School will be taking place on June the 9th through the 12th. And as we have been doing for a number of years, uh, we are collaborating with First Christian Church, St. Paul's Episcopal Church, and the Presbyterian Church. And we move it around from church to church each year. And this year, it will be at the Presbyterian Church. So if, uh, if you have children, if you are a child, if you know children, uh, please come and join us for this Vacation Bible School adventure. I think the, uh, the theme this year is weird animals. It's got me intrigued. Uh, <laughs> That sounds really neat. So please come and be a part of Vacation Bible School. And if you'd like to volunteer, see Mary Dunham and she'll put you to work. Chris, I believe you have a, a presentation you'd like to make. Yeah. 
As you know, this is uh, Summer's last day with us, and we wanted to express our appreciation for the work she's done here. So we've got for you a hibiscus plant, and it's got an interesting bloom. It's got an envelope with money on it. Just bloom right out there. That's great. And Lana told me that uh, in our climate, hibiscus is an annual, but our affection for you is perennial, and we want to make sure you come back.
God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand. The Lord is above all nations. God's glory above the heavens. He came forth from the Creator and has come into the world. Again, He leaves the world and goes to the Creator. Alleluia. He ascends to the Creator. To my God and to your God. He will come in the same way as you saw him open to heaven. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Our scripture today is from Acts 1, chapters 1 through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing up toward heaven, Suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who had been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. 
Okay. All right. Well, you know what? You guys are visiting this weekend, right? What Are you going home today or tomorrow? What do you have to say when you leave Grandpa Mark and Grandma um, Nora? What's that word you say? Bye. Goodbye. 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 Or I was hoping that would be what they say. Um, You know what? Have you noticed when Miss Sue did the scripture reading, she was talking about how Jesus said goodbye, and uh, some of the songs were talking about goodbyes, and that's what we're going to talk about. Liam, what is this? Don't you be shy on me. What is this? You know what that is. Is that an Easter egg? We had Easter here on April 20th, right? April 20th. And do you know what um, Dr. Tim is going to talk today in his sermon and what we're going to talk about in Children's Church? He's going to talk about saying goodbye. But, you know, sometimes goodbyes aren't forever, right? And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Sarah, can you help me out here? What's this top say? And that was April 20th, okay? And what happened on Easter Sunday? Anybody want to share that just in case we forgot? Yes, sir. On Easter Sunday, why do we celebrate so wonderfully? What happened on Easter Sunday morning? He rose. Who rose? Excellent. Jesus rose. So he, let's pretend that we're with Jesus, okay? So he's back on this earth for 40 days. 40 days. He's, oh, he's teaching his disciples how to go around talking about him and everything. Well, he came back. I wonder why he thought he needed to teach them. What do you think he kind of knew what was going to happen to him? Think he thought he may be going to say goodbye to his disciples? He did. God had already told him that. So he was on earth for 40 days, or he was with us in body for 40 days. And then, you know what? This is what we're going to talk about today. Where is Zoe? Zoe practiced this. Is she not in there, out here? Oh, okay. She didn't want to help us. This is what we're going to talk about. This Thursday, this Thursday, May 29th, is what we call Ascension Day. Okay, what is that called? Ascension Day. And I bet that's what Dr. Tim's going to talk about today. That means that Jesus went back up to heaven. But do we really have to tell him goodbye? No. He's always going to be up there, isn't he, until he comes back to get us? So he's always going to be up there with us. So with that... First, we talk about Easter Sunday, and then today, after we do our lesson back there, we're going to make these airplanes, and it's very simple, you guys. What does this say, Mason? Fly with the Lord. So we're going to go outside after we finish our lesson, and we're going to make our airplanes. And you can take your airplane home as a reminder that you really never say goodbye to Jesus. You just fly with the Lord, okay? All right, let's say a word of prayer. Dear Gracious Father, thank you. Thank you for being with us today at our wonderful church. As we celebrate Memorial Day, Father, we um, offer you our thanks for the veterans that serve this country for us. We always offer you thanks for our church, our church family, our wonderful children. Just be with us now as we go to Children's Church, and Dr. Tim brings the message out here. In your name we ask these things. Amen. All right, let's go. Got a lot of stuff to do.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, bless these tithes and offerings so that it may glorify your name. Dear Lord, thank you for our families. Thank you for my church family. Thank you for Dr. Hobbs and his family. Thank you for the sacrifices that our men and women that before us that they built this nation, they give their lives for this nation. Let us never forget the atrocities of war. Let us always make war a last resort. Let us be able to get along as a people. Dear Lord, watch over those who are physically, mentally, and spiritually sick. We know that includes us all. Let us go from this place and always praise that name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
You notice that the uh, title of the message today are Goodbyes Are Never Easy. And this message has been planned for quite a while. I usually plan my sermons out uh, uh, quite a while in advance. And um, so we knew we were going to have this sermon today. But we didn't know that it was going to be a goodbye for summer today. It's just one of those things. So we're going to miss you, Summer. Um, I, I, I'm sure that... Um, some of you remember Paul Simon's tongue-in-cheek ballad from years ago when he told us that there are 50 ways to leave your lover. You remember that? Slip out the back, Jack. Make a new plan, Stan. No need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free. Hop on the bus, Gus. Don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the key, Lee, and get yourself free. It all sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? But my experience is that Goodbyes are never that easy, whether it's goodbye to an old friend when you move to a new community or to a son or daughter when you drop her off at college or to colleagues when you change jobs or standing by the grave of someone that you love. The fact is that goodbyes are difficult for almost everyone. Now, some goodbyes are more familiar to us than others. Some of you of a certain age will surely remember Carol Burnett tugging on her earlobe as she sang goodbye at the end of each of her shows. And I'm told that this was a message to her grandmother that she was thinking about her. And there may be some of you who are old enough to remember Roy Rogers and Dale Evans ending each program singing, Happy Trails to You Until. Thank you, choir. <laughs> Some of you have probably seen news clips of Lou Gehrig saying goodbye on July the 4th, 1939 in Yankee Stadium. It's considered the most famous speech in baseball history. This happened just after Lou was diagnosed with ALS, which is often referred to as Lou Gehrig's disease. And what did he say? Well, let's have a listen and see. For the past two weeks, you've been reading about a bad brag. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. That I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Thank you. Another baseball great, Babe Ruth, said goodbye at Yankee Stadium in 1947. He was dying of throat cancer at the time, and the New York Times reported that just before he spoke, Ruth started to cough, and it appeared that he might break down because of the thunderous cheers that came his way. But once he started to speak, he was all right, still the champion. It was the men, many men who surrounded him on the field, the uh, players and the newspaper and radio persons. They were the ones who choked up. And some of you will remember when, after the Watergate hearings, President Richard Nixon and his wife Pat said felt farewell to the White House staff and then calmly walked across the lawn and waved goodbye as they boarded the helicopter, which carried them to Andrews Air Force Base and then to their home in, in uh, California. My friends, goodbyes are almost always difficult. In one of history's most famous goodbye speeches, a promise was made. In February of 1942, as Japanese forces tightened their grip on the Philippines, General Douglas MacArthur was ordered to evacuate by President Roosevelt and relocate in Australia. And when they landed in Australia, MacArthur gave his most famous speech ever when he said, I went through, I came through the Philippines, and I shall return. Two years later, he did just that. He returned to take the Philippines back from the Japanese. Now, saying goodbye is never easy. 
But you know something, a promise to return does seem to make it somewhat more palatable, doesn't it? Well, in the first chapter of Acts, Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples. For more than three years, they had been a family together. They had eaten together. They had prayed together. They faced adversity together. They sang together. They lived together. They, and, and they faced difficult times, including the most traumatic adversity at all, of all. Christ's death on the cross. And then after his resurrection, they spent 40 additional days together. And now he was leaving them to return to his father. The writer of Acts tells us that after Christ's resurrection, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was, still, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift that my father has promised. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And at this point, his disciples gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And the answer that Jesus gave to them is one that I wish all those folks who are continually trying to set dates for Christ's return would listen to with rapt attention, he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in, and in Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. In other words, don't waste your time speculating about when Christ will return. Instead, get busy doing what Christ has called you to do here and now. And then Luke tells us that after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. As they were looking up into the sky, suddenly two men dressed in white robes stood beside them and said, men of, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will, go, will come back again in the same way that you have seen him go. Quite a dramatic scene, isn't it? A fitting climax to the world's most important biography. But I want you to notice that Jesus makes two promises to his disciples before he leaves them that day. First of all, they will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And secondly, they will become Christ's witnesses. I want to take a look at these two promises this morning. Let's begin with, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I like what Max Lucado says about Jesus' disciples. He uses several descriptive uh, phrases concerning these early followers of Jesus. But what impressed him the most is how ordinary they were. He says they were more dingy than cruise ships. <laughs> they were more blue jeans than blue bloods. They were more swaybacks than thoroughbreds. He says, before Jesus came along, these disciples were loading trucks and coaching soccer and selling Slurpees at the convenience store. They were more plumbers than executives and more stand-ins than movie stars. I think that's a great description. And the point that he was making here is that these disciples were just very ordinary folks. Just like you and me. Ordinary people. And yet what happened? God turned the world upside down through them. How is that even possible? Well, it begins with the power that Christ promised them, the power of God's Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is the very presence of Christ within us. It is the very essence of who Jesus is. And it is the key to living the Christian life. 
Years ago, the prominent pastor, Dr. A.J. Gordon, visited the World's Fair in uh, Chicago. And as he was walking along, he saw in the distance, he saw a man in a brightly colored oriental robe who appeared to be laboriously turning a crank of a pump and thereby creating a, a mighty flow of water. And, and Gordon was impressed with the man's energy and his, his smooth motions and his obvious physical conditioning because he was pumping a, a tremendous amount of water. But then as he drew clo- closer, he realized that the man was actually made of wood. And instead of turning the crank and making the water flow, the flow of water was actually turning the crank and making the man go. Well, that's the way it was in the early church. You see, those disciples were dynamos. In fact, that's the Greek word for this power that Jesus promised them. Dynamis is the word. We get our word dynamite from that. These disciples were dynamos for the sake of the gospel. But it was not through any power of their own. Rather, it was through the power of God's Holy Spirit. They became effective, not because of their own genius or eloquence, but because of who had invaded their lives. And folks, what power you and I could have as well if we simply yielded ourselves so completely to the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Jesus promised his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. But the question was, what would they do with all that power? What would they do with that once they got it? Well, that brings us to Christ's second promise. You will be my witnesses. My friends, this is the reason the Spirit gives us power. So that we can tell others about Christ's love and grace. And where shall they be witnesses? In Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and, and, and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. Huh. Are you kidding me? God certainly has a sense of humor, doesn't God? This ragtag group of Ordinary individuals are going to go all over the world to proclaim the love and mercy of Jesus Christ? Or maybe God just wanted these disciples to understand that none of what they would accomplish was through their own strength. It was all God. Now, some of us might think of that Jerusalem is, is kind of like a home court, and they have a home court advantage here. So witnessing there shouldn't be all that difficult, right? Yeah, in a sense, maybe so. It was, it, I mean, they didn't have to, to leave. It was nearby, so they didn't have to, have to travel a long way to witness there in Jerusalem. But think about this. These disciples were Galileans, and they were looked down upon by the more cosmopolitan residents of Jerusalem. All these disciples spoke with funny accent, and, and they were considered by the Jerusalemites as country hicks. And the Galileans were also a little bit suspect as to what they believed theologically, what their religious beliefs were. You see, their area of the country was home to a lot of people that the Jews considered to be pagans. And who knows what kind of heretical thoughts had infiltrated their minds. So you see, the apostles probably would not have had an easy time finding acceptance for their message in Jerusalem or in Judea. And don't forget that Jesus had just been crucified in Jerusalem. And there was still a lot to be afraid of from the religious authorities there. And as for Samaria, well, that wouldn't be any better. I mean, you know how the Samaritans and the Jews felt about each other. The Samaritans were Jews who had intermarried with Gentiles, and the pure-blooded Jews looked upon them as mongrels, half-bloods, half-breeds, mud-bloods, as, as they say. 
And they believed that, that God lived on the mountains in, in Samaria and not in the temple in Jerusalem. And so the disciples probably wouldn't have much credibility there either. And as for the rest of the world, well, these disciples were from a small backwater area of an occupied land, and they had probably never traveled more than about 70 miles away from their hometowns. So how could they possibly carry the message of Christ to places like Athens or Rome or Alexandria or, or other intellectual and social centers of the world? Yet what did Jesus tell them? They were to be Christ's witnesses. Now let's think about the term witness for just a moment. Sometimes when we think about that word, we get mixed up a little bit. Sometimes when we think about what it means to witness, it, we, some people interpret that to mean to put on a show. I'm going to witness through my, the eloquence of my speech or through the stylishness of my appearance. We've seen it. And so to, to say I'm, I'm going to witness for Christ in some cases seems to mean being someone or something that we're not really in order to impress someone else. That's not what Jesus had in mind. You don't have to have a thousand dollar suit or or a thousand dollar hairstyle to be a witness for Christ. That's not what Christ had in mind when he tells his disciples to be witnesses. In fact, I think probably it probably makes Christ ill when he sees the, the hypocritical witness of some of his saints. A brilliant lawyer, F.E. Smith, once defended a bus driver who was um, being sued uh, for claims that his negligence had caused injury to a young man's arm. And in questioning the plaintiff, the one who was suing the bus driver, he asked, will you please show us how high you can lift your arm now? And so the man obediently raised his arms up to about shoulder level, and all the time his face was grimacing in apparent pain. And he just, oh, thank you, said Mr. Smith. And he said, and now would you please show us how high you could lift it before the accident. And before he could think about it, the young man's arm shot way up above his head. You ever had a witness like that, Chris? <laughs> I guess you know who won that case, don't you? But here's the thing. A, fun, a phony witness is worse than no witness at all. And we are to be witnesses of the life and love of Jesus Christ by living our lives authentically as followers of Jesus and by sharing in an honest and open way what Christ has done for us. And that takes courage. It takes courage whether we are in Jerusalem or Samaria or right here in Henderson, Kentucky. And it takes conviction and it takes a, a total dependence upon God's Holy Spirit. So on the day when Christ said goodbye to his disciples, he promised them his power. And he promised them that they would be witnesses all over the world. But you know, they also received one other promise that day from two men dressed in white robes who suddenly stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking up into the skies? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you saw him go. You hear that, folks? Just like General MacArthur, Jesus promises to return. When? I don't know. You don't either. Nobody does. In fact, we are told that we are not to even speculate about it. But you know something? I somehow think that this final promise took the sting out of his leaving for those who were left behind. Because now, knowing that Jesus would come to them again, knowing that Jesus, that they would see Jesus again, knowing that this goodbye was not final, 
knowing that they could now focus on waiting for the power that he had promised them. And now they could focus on preparing to give witness to the love and the grace that they had experienced through Jesus. And now those tasks are our tasks as well. Wait for the Spirit of God to come to you. Witness to His love to those you meet each day. These are the tasks that Jesus left for His disciples, and these are the tasks that He left for us. And I know that, that they may, be, may seem daunting and difficult and nigh on impossible to even think about. But listen to this. Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that is what God wants from us? Then seek the Spirit of God and put God's power to test. Amen. We've come to that portion of our service where we'll sing our closing hymn, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. I hope you know that. I hope you know that God does love you more than anything else in the, in the, in the earth. God loves you more than anything in the world. Why else would He die for us? Why else would He spend all that time trying to teach us what it means to be really human beings. The kind of human beings that's pleasing to God. The kind of human beings that are fruitful for God's kingdom as we receive God's power and as we share the love of Christ with others. We invite you to stand together and we'll sing together, Oh, how He loves you and me. And let us remember that as we sing. Jesus has left the premises, but He shall return. And in the meantime, He has left us with a gift. I leave you with patience and kindness, goodness and faithfulness. I leave you with gentleness and with truth. Care for it. I leave you with hope, with love, with peace and joy, with self-control, with mercy and grace, with guidance, with harmony and music with prayer and gifts, with restoration and forgiveness. I leave you blessed. I leave you with a promise. I leave you with the Word. I leave you with the gift of eternal life. I leave you with my Spirit. I leave you with wisdom and understanding, with wonder and awe, with knowledge and courage and reverence. I leave you with power. I leave you with the Gospel. I leave you with beauty all around you 
And I leave you as one that I love. I leave you as my friend. Take heart. We shall meet again. Amen. Come out and see you one day. That's fun.